Power Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Following the death of his son, Christopher, at the age of 22, Dr. Leo Galland experienced an extraordinary series of events that challenged and changed his understanding of reality. First came powerful visual evidence for the immortality of the soul, and then a series of revelations about the nature of the universe and our reason for being here. Dr. Galland is our guest today. Are you ready to meet him? Dr. Leo Galland is an international best-selling author and a respected scholar. A board-certified internist, Dr. Galland received his education at Harvard University and New York University School of Medicine. He's the author of five popular books and several dozen scientific articles and textbook chapters. His latest book, Already Here, A Doctor Discovers the Truth About Heaven, is unlike anything he has previously written. You can find out more about Dr. Galland and his work at drgalland.com. Dr. Galland, welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm so glad to be speaking with you today, Karen. Thank you, thank you. Tell us about Christopher. Well, Chris was a kind of extraordinary and remarkable child. He was brain damaged, had special needs. He was constantly a handful. Um, He could be very difficult. He could be funny. He could be charming and lovely. He was very uncoordinated. Um, He was constantly surprising people with unexpected behaviors. And uh, he could, frankly, drive you pretty crazy sometimes with his behavior. Uh, He drowned at the age of 22. He had been... He had been staying in a therapeutic community in the Berkshire Mountains. My wife and I live in Manhattan in New York City, and Chris was about uh, 150 miles away and had been there for nine months. He had, it was a cold day in November. He went out for a walk with some friends in the community, probably had a seizure, tumbled down an embankment, and drowned in about two inches of very cold water. We waited for the phone call from the emergency room because they were resuscitating him at the local hospital. And my wife and I were sitting alone together uh, in my office. It was a horrible feeling. I I wish this on no one, waiting for that word, being so powerless, feeling as if uh, everything around you weighs about 1,000 pounds. All of a sudden, the room felt as if lightning were about to strike. There was this high-voltage, supercharged feeling in the air that led both my wife, Christina, and I to suddenly stand up at the same time. And we had exactly the same experience. The room filled, or our vision filled, with an intense white light. The source of that light was Christopher. We could see him. We recognized him because we recognized that this being had Christopher's face. Only it was perfect, and it radiated extraordinary joy, power, and freedom, unlike anything that I've ever experienced before or after. He was with us for a few seconds, and then he was gone. 
the phone was ringing, the ER was on the other end of the phone, and it told us what we knew we were going to hear. They had not been able to save him. The resuscitation was unsuccessful. That was an extraordinary event, and if that were the only thing that ever happened related to Christopher's death, I would think about it and remember it decades later to this day. I would try to relive it because it was such an amazing, um, joyful experience, unlike the pain of losing the flesh and blood boy, which it did not diminish. Um, But there was something else that happened three days later that was, I think, even more remarkable, and that was the reason that I wound up writing this book. We decided to bury Chris in the Berkshires because his life and death had been so important to this community he had been staying with. And at his graveside, we released 22 yellow balloons. The next day, we returned to New York City. And as we were driving home and driving past Columbus Circle, a place in Manhattan that had a significance for Christopher because it was named after a different Christopher. Mm. And we used to joke about that. Um, We stopped at a red light. All of a sudden, a yellow balloon descended from the sky, hovered right in front of our car, and then drifted away. Believe it or not, my first thought was, wow, isn't that a coincidence? The child must have lost that in the park, in Central Park, which is about a block away. Well, of course, this was a cold day in early November. The balloons that we had released in the Berkshires had each been attached to about 12 inches of yellow ribbon because I'd had to cut them free from a sandbag to which they were tied. The balloon that descended to our car by Columbus Circle was attached to 12 inches of yellow ribbon. And it looked to be about a day old. I mean, it was partially deflated. That's why it was dropping down instead of rising up. It would be very hard to argue that this was not one of the balloons we had released the day before, or that its appearance 150 miles a day at a place of special significance at the very moment we drove through it and 24 hours later was just a coincidence. Um, I mean, that was really just a mind-boggling experience. And because I am a scientist and because I do believe that we need to pay attention to experience and not dismiss those experiences that are not easily explained, I have spent a lot of time thinking about the significance of that, the, what the meaning of life beyond death is, and kind of marveling more than ever at Christopher's ability to confound me and everybody else. And it, and it doesn't stop there because besides those tangible experiences, my sense from reading the book is that he also teaches and guides. Well, yes. Well, I realized... Several years went by after this, actually, and during that time, I really didn't have anything that felt like I was making contact with Christopher. I mean, I kept thinking about this. My fear of death just evaporated. Uh, I mean, frankly, the 
what Christopher showed me about the immortality of his soul led me to believe that we all have spirits like that within us. And he was way happier than anybody I've seen in the world, you know, in the world, even at their most joyful moments. Um, so there was clearly nothing to fear here. In fact, there was something wondrous uh, that happens after death or beyond death. Uh, then several years later, uh, there were a couple of experiences, but the most um, the most striking was I, I woke up in the middle of the night with a voice that I recognized to be Christopher saying, you have to tell my story. People need to know. And I thought, wow, of course I, I have to tell this story. So I started planning the book, which became titled Already Here. And um, I, I thought, well, I'll, I'll write about Chris and I'll write about what happened at the time of his death and, and just the way that he was and experiences that people had of Christopher. Uh, I, I wrote the book over a period of almost a year. And during that time, I had a number of interactions with what appeared to be Chris's spirit. And um, usually they would happen with um, my kind of, as I'm thinking about what I'm going to do, I would sort of throw out a question to him. And then I would get a response. And the response was not something I heard with my ears. I would hear it with my mind. And it was always way more than what I had expected and really hard to wrap my whole mind around. And I would go back to this spirit and I would challenge him and I would say, well, you know, like, I know you said this and I tried to appreciate that, but um, it troubles me in this way. And he always had an explanation. He always had something that was comforting and that, challenged me on the one hand, but really helped to elevate my understanding and consciousness on the other. And that whole process really just changed the way that I look at and understand the world, the nature of life and death, and the reason we're here. You are listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager, and my guest is Dr. Leo Galland. His new book is already here. A Doctor Discovers the Truth About Heaven. You can find out more at drgalland.com. That's D-R-G-A-L-L-A-N-D.com. This um, urging to tell his story, what do you want people to take from the book? It's a beautiful story. I'm, I'm the mom of two special needs kids. I feel Christopher's life in the book. And I also feel him after he passed from reading the book, right? His life on both sides of that, what I think is kind of an artificial divide. But I feel him in the book. What is it that, that you want and he wants us to take from the book? Well, I, if you're feeling Christopher, that's the beginning of it. And especially if you're relating what I learned from Chris in so many ways, to the experience of your own children. Um, there are, you know, there's so many aspects to 
to what Christopher taught me. On the one hand, there are really profound metaphysical insights into the nature of reality and creation. Um, and I, I um, characterize them as representing or coalescing into three gifts, which I call the gift of the opposite, the gift of presence, and the gift of timelessness. And, and you know, I'd love to talk about those. That yes. takes some time. But the most important discovery I made was that these teachings were not just esoteric principles from beyond the grave, that in his life, in his short and very difficult life, Christopher had embodied these principles in the way he lived. It was very hard for me to see that while he was alive, although I would get glimpses of it, and I would realize how brilliant he was. But when I reflected on this after his death and in trying to write already here, I came to realize that Chris actually lived these principles. Um, if we take the gift of the opposite, it's basically the idea that everything contains its opposite at all time at all times, and that the opposite is, is, is an essential part of what you see. Now, Chris was always demanding the opposite. I mean, at times it would be funny, at times it would be really annoying, at times it would be full of insight. But he was always looking for the opposite in everything. And in fact, what could be more opposite than that my spiritual guide and teacher and the, the being that really guided my writing of this book was in life, my brain-damaged, special-needs child who was totally dependent on me. I mean, what a complete reversal of roles that is. And, and Chris just saw that in everything, in the way that he interacted with other people. If, because he was brain-damaged, he happened to encounter um, a lot of people who are more severely um, damaged and impaired than he was. And he always treated them just with tremendous respect and decency, just kind of naturally, as if, of course, you would treat someone who is nonverbal, not even aware of your presence, and maybe rocking back and forth and drooling. You would treat that person as if they were a person, not as if they were just someone needing um, custodial care. He was, um, if he encountered people who saw themselves as losers, he would get them to take care of him in such a way that they would feel very strong and competent and would understand that they were really winners. But if you thought that you were really smart or really mature or really in control or some kind of authority figure, Chris could drive you absolutely out of your mind. He could bring you face-to-face -face with your dark side, and you could see how stupid and irrational and intolerant you were at the same time. And, and that, was, that was a kind of a genius for bringing that out. As far as the gift of, um, of presence, Chris was, well, presence is a kind of zen-like way of being that you need to really be able to recognize the gift of the opposite. 
Chris was Chris had two ways of doing things. Either he wouldn't do them if he didn't want to, and you just couldn't get him to do it, or he would do them 150%. I mean, he was totally 100% present for whatever he chose to do, and he demanded that of everyone else who was with him. You couldn't fake it with Chris. Either you were there and you were with him, or you weren't, and he was going to try to drive you crazy. And so it was those kinds of very difficult behaviors that I actually came to realize were brilliant behaviors. And that in life, Chris was teaching us, not just, he wasn't only teaching me after his death. So it, it's, that was a very profound discovery to me that has really helped me understand in a much deeper way so many of the people that I encounter in my life who are damaged or impaired um, or worse and worse off than Christopher. And that is really what I hope the most for people who read already here. It's um, if, if the kind of metaphysical insights that Christopher taught me and that I, and the book is my attempt to communicate those, or half the book is, um, that's wonderful if that means something to you. Um, it may or may not um, work into your religious or spiritual views. I think it, it will at some level, I'm sure, but it may, there may be disconnects. But if the methods that Christopher used to teach me can help you identify the Christophers in your own life, it will so enrich your life and will really help you grow spiritually. And that's what I want for the people who read already here. What has he shared with you about where he is and what it's like and, and how he is? Uh, well, I can say that, at, first of all, at the moment of his death, my, my wife's comment was, Wow, he was so happy. And um, the title of the book already here derives from my last set of conversations with Chris, in which I asked him, what's it like in heaven? And uh, the first thing I want to say, though, just is that at one point I asked Chris about himself, and he said to me, I'm just like everybody else. So... He, although he seems exceptional to me, he did not see himself as being special or different. And so I would say that what Chris is experiencing should be what we all can expect. So I, I don't know why it took me a year almost to ask him what's it like in heaven, but it did. And, and he said, joyfully and gleefully, it's what I always wanted. Everyone is here everyone, even you. Well, that sent a chill down my spine. And it also, I had never questioned that the interactions I was having were with Chris, but people have asked me about that since the book was published. And I realized that that response was quintessentially Christopher. Not just that the teachings were so quintessentially Christopher, but what Chris cared about more than anything else was interacting with other people. And so the idea that heaven was being with everybody, yeah, that would, that would be Christopher. And um, 
then I decided, and, and, and clearly this was the epitome of joy, and we are all there, all together, even now. Now, I decided to challenge him because it troubled me, actually, when he said that. I said, well, what about the evil ones? Are they there with you? What about Adolf Hitler? I immediately regretted having asked that question because I felt this kind of, it was like the air was being sucked out of the room and I had this, felt this cold chill. He went into, he then went into a kind of amazing description of the origins of evil and the reasons we're here, which built upon previous things he had said to me. Uh, Basically that um, God is love Creation is an act of love. The universe is an act of love. Love must exist among separate beings and must be given freely. That's in its very nature. And, and matter is ideally suited to the creation of separation. So we have the big opposite here is separation and connection. That is what love is. And that because it must be given freely, there are those who perversely subvert the purpose of their existence and hate others because of their otherness rather than cherishing the otherness, which is the purpose of human consciousness. So to really fully grasp and cherish otherness and uniqueness, and in that way we are like God. And were made in God's image, and that these creatures, whom he did not condemn, he described them as being pitiful, are in eternal torment because they have chosen to subvert the reason for their existence, and the torment is due to the schism in their souls that no love can heal. And and then he said, I can't say that uh, that dampens our joy because that's the way it always was and that's the way it always will be. Um, and I felt a little... Uh, that was actually kind of disturbing to me because I'm the kind of person that's always trying to make things better and perfect them and solve problems. Uh, and so I kind of retreated to my study and I was brooding on it and Christopher very gently said to me, and I said, so the, I thought, so the world, so I can never perfect the world. We can never make it perfect. Christopher said, not the way you want it to be. And then he said to me, you know, uh, you know how you like to tell stories about all the crazy, quirky things that I did in my life when I was alive? Well, around here, some of us like to tell stories about you, how you're always trying to get everything just right, and you're so perfectionistic. Lighten up. You're already here. Uh, And that's why I call the book Already Here, because that helped me understand the gift of timelessness in a very visceral way that I had not been able to understand. Dr. Galland, thank you so much for being on the program and for sharing just in this little time we had sharing the essence of those teachings. Thank you very much. Thank you for giving me the opportunity.
That is Dr. Leo Galland. His new book is Already Here, A Doctor Discovers the Truth About Heaven. And you can find out more about Dr. Galland and his work at drgalland.com. That's D-R-G-A-L-L-A-N-D dot com. If you believe, as I do, that when we focus our collective intention on change, that change must necessarily occur. And if you are interested in creating more peace in your heart and peace in the world, I invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. Every month, the first Sunday of every month, we offer a free 15-minute guided meditation open to a circle of people from all over the world where we come together to share that collective intention. At openpeacefulheart.com, you can hear recordings of past gatherings and get on the notification list so that you're, you get a, a reminder with call-in details before each meditation every month. You can also check out my website, karenhager.com, book a private session with me if you're so inclined, or check out upcoming classes and events. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.